and welcome to the AI and You podcast with Dr. David F. George. If you don't know what it's about, let me tell you there are already eight episodes out there uh, and we're covering things like ChatGTB, Chatbox, Types of AI, uh, Responsible AI, Jobs and AI, the threat of generative AI disinformation and understanding recommender systems. And this episode, which is episode nine in the series, we're going to look at recommenders and uh, why are explanations important in uh, recommender systems? When you go online to shop online, often there's a recommendation made. It's not always the one you want. And they don't tell you why they've made that recommendation. Explain that one for me, David. Okay, I'll do my best uh, for you, <laughs> for you, Mark. It's all about this principle of explainability, which very few, if any, of the current popular recommenders provide. The reason they don't is because of the underlying technology that they're using to, to build uh, the recommendation in the first place, in that it's a black box and it's very difficult to understand how that black box is working even by the people that actually wrote the recommender in the first place. So this principle of explainability is really very, very important. You get the recommendation. Yeah, so what? Why did you make that recommendation? And um, explainability will address those issues. I mean, the real purpose of, um, of explainability is it enables users to a, comprehend the, the underlying data that was used, but more importantly, the reasoning that was applied to that data in order to generate the recommendation. It uh, just becomes easier for you to then understand. And um, it's actually quite interesting because if you can read the explanation that's given, you can either say almost immediately, oh, yes, I actually, I agree with this. I hadn't thought about that. And um, so that recommendation actually now does make some sense to me, whereas it didn't before, because you've now been exposed to additional information that you weren't previously aware of. Or you can just um, say to yourself, well, actually, the explanation doesn't make sense. I still don't agree with it. Thank you very much. You know, The feeling I get, certainly with certain online shops, is that what they're doing is they're looking at your shopping habits and your shopping history and not looking at the actual product that you're looking for. So it's very much focused on you and not on the product. Well, absolutely. They try very hard in collaborative filtering, for example, which is one of the more popular underlying methods that's used, to try to match you as the user with the item of interest. And, and you're quite right. They've been trained on millions and millions and millions of, of historic transactions, not just your historic transactions, but historic transactions of many, many, many other people in order to find the best match. I mean, the underlying um, thesis of collaborative filtering, for example, and most recommenders is if these other people liked this, then because they seem to be similar to you, then we think that you would also like this, which in many cases um, isn't the case. So really what we're looking at is a recommender system that is going to be focused on the product that you want, not on your previous history and desires. And that can really only be done surely by the recommender asking you the correct questions. Well, that's quite correct, yes. I mean, Choice Master, for example, asks you right up front, What's important to you about this particular product that you want to buy? None of the other recommenders actually do that. They're using all of that history, the vast volumes of transaction history that they're analyzing to make certain assumptions and to try to stereotype you 
um, rather than just ask you outright, you know, what's important to you about buying a new laptop computer, for example, or a smartphone. And ChoiceMaster, for example, doesn't use any historic transaction data at all. It caters for purely anonymous users uh, in that respect and uh, preserves your privacy by not wanting any, any private data from you. But going back to the concept of explainability, it provides a, a level of transparency, which is important for any number of reasons. Uh, mentioned earlier was better understanding the reasoning that's been applied in is effectively finding the best match for a product that satisfies uh, your preferences. I mean, you might say, for example, uh, well, you know, I want to buy a laptop. Price is quite important to me, but more important than price is I want a really big screen. I want good, good quality screen because I, I want to use the, the laptop for watching movies, for example. But somebody else that uh, wants to buy a laptop may say, well, actually, I only need a small screen. I don't really want a big screen. And price is the most important thing to me. So in, in that case, understanding your preferences in that way enables the recommender software to provide a better match that, that suits your preferences better than maybe a million other people's preferences. And of course, you have control over this. It's transparent because you have control over the questions that you answer and how you answer those questions, yeah. as opposed to the rather blunt recommender systems that are around at the moment, which you don't know why. There's no justification for what they're doing. Well, exactly. And justification is a very good word for you to use, Mark, because the explanation that is provided by ChoiceMaster, for example, helps justify the recommendation made by highlighting the specific factors and the preferences that were considered. And it shows how the, recommend, uh, the recommendation aligns with your stated preferences and the decision criteria that are important to you. So essentially what that does then is uh, helps you feel confident that the recommendation is based on your individual needs and requirements. I think this is the important thing to point out as well, is it is about you and not about your shopping history. So you take any product, whether it's a television or it's a stereo system or whatever it may be, and you'll put in what your preferences are. And it won't just say what brand you want. Do you want a CD player? It will, it will ask you far more detailed questions than that and then justify the answers. Yeah, the justification is the, is the critical aspect because you can then look at that justification for why it recommended product A over product B. And you can basically say, yeah, actually, yes, I agree with this or no, I don't agree with this. And with ChoiceMaster, you can fine tune it as well, can't you? You can slide a bar across and say, yes, this is more important, this is less important. But it's quite a detailed process, isn't it? Yeah, that's where a lot of the underlying complexity gets resolved. Because if we think about how we actually make our own decisions, if we're inside in, in a shop looking around at various products, We'll be looking at product uh, option A, and it's a big flat screen uh, television, and it's got a price label labelled with it. And then a few options down on the same shelf is one with a, with a smaller screen, um, and one would have thought it actually would have had a lower price. But its price was maybe £50 more. And then you're thinking to yourself, well, why? Why is this £50 more and it's got a smaller screen? Because we tend to make an assumption that the bigger the screen, the higher the price, um, especially for things like televisions. 
But then if we were to have done this online, say using Choice Master, for example, I'm sorry I'm plugging Choice Master here, but it's obviously a recommender I know very well. Um, if we were using a product like Choice Master, right up front it would say to us, well, how important is the screen size and how important is the price, for example? And then it would go away and it would come back and it would make a recommendation to you. Now, if you said that price is much more important than screen size, then in the scenario we've just discussed, it probably would have recommended to you. I can't be sure because I haven't done a live simulation, but it probably would have recommended in this particular case, the bigger screen one, because the price was lower. And when it asked you up front what was important to you, you said that price was much more important than screen size. Uh, and so it did the trade-off for you. Because it was um, £50 cheaper, you also got one with a bigger screen. To give you an example of, of how that is much more beneficial than not just um, other recommenders, but the binary filters that you see when you go to shop online in many outlets, you can actually say, okay, I want one that's in this price range, or I want one with this screen size, or I want a blue one, or I only want this brand or that brand. What they do is they they don't discover options for you. They actually reduce the number of options available to you. And so in the case where um, you said that money was more important than screen size, it would have eliminated the option for the bigger screen at a lower price. <laughs> so you you wouldn't have even had the ability to to see that. So so the recommended technologies actually provide you with a lot of advantages. Um, in that respect. So what they're doing is they're taking every single television that they have in their store and slowly eliminating televisions as you put through the filters. Whereas with the recommender system like Choice Master that we've we've already talked about, each time you put in a new criteria, they search for the ideal product, but within the questions or within the parameters that you keep putting in each yes. time. Yes, I mean, it's, it's matching availability of an, a product item to your preferences. It's totally preference-driven uh, and can automatically make those trade-offs for you, you know, which we as humans um, tend to struggle with. If we've got 20 products that we're wanting to evaluate, let alone 120, but 20 products that we want to evaluate, and each one of those has got 10 features associated with them that need to be considered when you want to do the trade-off over over screen size or overall quality of the product or the price or the warranty, then, you know, we're not so good at actually doing that. So that's where recommenders really, really do help you. But they give you a big confidence boost as well. I mean, some of the statistics for abandoned shopping carts uh, that the retailer experiences are incredibly high. Over 70% of shopping carts actually get abandoned at the point of sale. And the behavioral psychologists these days are now saying, well, it's actually got nothing to do with price as such, or whether there's a couple of pounds added on for delivery charges that you weren't expecting. It's actually more to do with this concept of fear of better option, which gets abbreviated down to FOBO. And we all suffer from that if we haven't done our homework. It's, oh gosh, I've got to pay a thousand pounds for this. Have I done my homework? And, you know, is there a better option for me out there somewhere? 
with Choice Master, you get a, you get with the recommender, it will boost your confidence that you're actually going to be making the right decision because of the products available, it has told you why this one is the best one. And so you, you get more confident um, in, in being able to close the deal. This is one of the things I wanted to talk about because with these recommender systems, what they're also helping you to do is realise what it is that you should be asking. It's the questions possibly that you should be asking and they will be asking you the correct questions. So it's almost an, an education for the shopper as much as it is finding out the detail. You know, th there may be things, we talked about the television difference in prices and screen sizes, but there may be things about gamer televisions which are much better for gaming than if you're just going to watch EastEnders on it, for example. But they're questions that you would not think to answer in an everyday scenario. No, that's exactly But right. the recommender would say, what about this? What about this? What yeah, about this? That's exactly right. I mean, I mean, Choice Master, for example, if you're interested in buying a laptop computer, it will say to you, well, please give me a hint on, on what you're really going to be using this for. And it knows behind the scenes that if you want to use it for gaming, for example, then things to do with the power of the processor are going to be much more important than if you're just going to use it just for browsing or, or for doing general office types of applications. And so it will preset how important some of those features are on your behalf. Uh, and one of the problems, of course, with consumer electronics is that the products are changing so rapidly and they're also becoming more, much more sophisticated uh, with each new product release. And Interestingly, the, the fact that they're getting more sophisticated means that our relative understanding of how they're working and what's important about them is actually getting less and less and less. And so, you know, the online recommender is also acting as a bit of an educational device into, into helping you better understand why certain features might be more important than others. With a recommender like Choice Master, what's the chances of when you put all your criteria in, you end up with one choice? It doesn't work that way. <laughs> okay, that's interesting because it's something in my head. Explain why it doesn't work in that context. The way that uh, Choice Master works um, in particular is that it will score and rank every product in accordance with your, with your most recent set of preference requirements. So if there's 100 products that are available, it will go and score and rank all of them, but it will present you with the top 10 in a ranked list. So the top of the list will be the best one, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And in the online environment, if you select any particular one of those, it will pop up all of the explanation information in natural language, as well as um, evidence, a lot of supporting evidence to give credibility to the recommendation. You're going to get more than, you're going to always get more than one um, you know, that, that you can, because, it, you know, it might be that you'll look at the explanation for the one that came first and you'll look at the explanation for the one that came second and third because they were very close together in their suitability for you. You may want to just look at what the explanation actually does a, a, a many to many comparison. So you can look at why this one is better than any of the others or why this one is worse than any of the others. And you might say to yourself, as we often do in decision-making processes. Do you know what? I think I've changed my mind. Actually, price isn't the most important thing anymore. You know, it's actually the warranty period. I can get, you know, for an extra £10, I can get an extra year's warranty on this particular one. 
So I'm going to go, I'm going to actually make this decision. So obviously the podcast is called AI and You, and we're talking about recommender systems. How does AI and recommender systems come together? Well, AI in one form or another, and in in particular with recommender systems, has been using uh, neural networks for machine learning uh, purposes and um, knowledge-based approaches, which is an, an approach that Choice, that Choice Master implements. So AI is actually being used for a while and is being increasingly used now in recommenders as recommenders become much more powerful for retailers to use to provide enhanced service and enhanced shopping experiences for their, for their users. We spoke about recommenders that provide explanations, giving a user confidence to make an online shopping decision rather than get to the point of sale and then abandon the cart because they're not confident they're making the right decision. It also increases trust. Um, and that's a major benefit for the online retailer because if you have a good shopping experience with that particular retailer, you're going to go want to go back to that retailer next time you want to purchase something because you know you get an enhanced shopping experience. The contrary, of course, you know, to that is that if they have got a recommender system or they don't have a recommender system, which is more likely, they're not adding any value to your shopping experience. So uh, if you use recommenders and they're working and they're giving you an explanation as to why they made that recommendation, that can only make your shopping experience better. And looking at AI and recommenders, are recommenders using AI to create uh, what sounds like a, a human describing the details of the particular product. You know, like if we put it into chat GTP and it would come up with, with some sort of explanation. Are recommenders using that kind of system? The full-blown recommenders aren't at this point in time making significant use of generative AI, such as chat uh, GPT. Although I suspect that that is definitely going to change. Choice Master, as I, as I mentioned um, earlier, that, that will give you a natural language explanation. And that is using natural language processing um, generative AI techniques in order to do that. But it's actually quite clever because if Choice Master didn't have all of the underlying reasoning history as to why it made a specific recommendation to you, there'd be no raw evidence that could be interrogated and used as input into the natural language explanation. And so if the underlying recommendation hasn't been keeping track of its reasoning and being able to give you an explanation in the first place, then there's no raw data for it to do to do the interpretation of and, and to present you with a natural language explanation. So yeah, so. To, so to present that, they need some concrete information that they can then analyze and turn into some sort of, as you say, natural language yeah, explanation. And that's exactly how, how Choice Master works because it is capable of giving the explanation in the first place, all of the raw evidence supporting any given recommendation can be interpreted and output in natural language. The search engines are starting to increasingly use generative AI in their searching to try to give you a much better experience. We type in keywords or a key phrase into Google, for example, and within a millisecond, it comes back to you and says, oh, you had 3,500,049 hits. And of course, you know, you get the first page which is full of sponsored references. 
people that are paid for it to advertise, you get all of those on the first page. And the stats show that none of us really go past the first page anyway. So what are we really discovering that might be good for us? The ability of Google, for example, and Microsoft Edge to uh, with Bing to incorporate generative AI into the search process is certainly going to give you an advantage in cutting down the volume that you have to sort of keep on tabbing through and navigating through to find what you, what you want. However, they do not ask you what's important to you. So what they're doing in the background is they're, if you put in a query that says, you know, what's the best laptop for a student to use? <laughs> they go away and they'll go and access websites, you know, like uh, online uh, laptop retailers' websites and select data from those and uh, and possibly go to magazines that discuss laptops and um, borrow some text from those to generate an, an explanation for you. But they're not true recommenders. They're they could be suggesters, but they're not true. And they'll give you references to go and follow up to look at. So your navigation to find something is certainly a lot easier. But they're not going to be proper recommenders because they haven't asked you what's important to you. They don't know what criteria they're supposed to be matching against. You know, So, uh, yeah. What you're saying is the, the recommender systems like ChoiceMaster take all that research effort out of the whole process. Just a quick comment on ChoiceMaster. What's the average amount of questions that it will ask? I mean, is there an infinite amount or is it as much as you really want to ask it? It doesn't actually ask you questions as such. What it basically knows behind the scenes and under the covers for any particular product, like a smartphone or a laptop or an electric vehicle, it knows what the important features of those products are. And then it generates the input slider bars, which is the simplest way of you providing information into the choice engine, into the recommender, to actually say what's important to you and what's not important. So if we take, you know, if we were to take an electric vehicle, for example, then, you know, there'd be maybe 10 or 15 features of the vehicle that will affect your, your, your decision making. Price, obviously maybe number of seats, maybe the size of the boot because you've got a big family. And, and who decides what these criteria are? Is it what the company have highlighted? Yes, it'll be based on the research that the manufacturers you know, have, have actually performed. They know what details um, uh, consumers are interested in. So they've yeah, got... they'll, they'll know their most common questions. Exactly. The, pro you know, the product managers for, for any given product will know what the important decision factors are. Choice Master gets told about that, you know, it gets told what features are important. It knows how to extract the data uh, related to those features for the 100 vehicles there or the 200 laptops or the, or the 150 smartphones. And it then uses its underlying algorithms too. And what, and what you said was important to find the best possible match satisfying your preferences. So, David, looking at all the things that we've talked about in this podcast, how would you summarise everything that we've we've discussed into a nice, easy-to-digest statement? I think overall, providing detailed explanations in recommendations builds trust by fostering uh, transparency, uh, credibility, by empowering the users, uh, by reducing uncertainty and providing a personalised explanation. 
It also provides, obviously, a, a learning opportunity to help and discoverability of items that you may, you may not have been aware of beforehand. So by understanding the rationale behind the recommendations, users and online shoppers can make more informed decisions uh, and develop a sense of trust in the system's capabilities and in the retailer that is offering, offering a recommender capability in their online shopping environment. That's brilliant. That's a really nice, concise little thing which explains what we've been talking about. One little thing we did want to mention, in episode seven, we talked about disinformation with AI and how AI can be used very easily to create and spread disinformation. With what's going on regarding two major elections that are going to be happening this year, this is something that's in the news. So if it is something you're interested in, go and have a listen to episode seven of AI and You with Dr. David F. George. It may give you some idea of what's going on out there at the moment. So we've talked about Choice Master. Choice Master is David's creation. This is something that he, he has created himself. If people want to know more about Choice Master, where's the best place to go? Well, the best place to go to get a quick overview and to, and to see maybe a bit of a demonstration or to watch a video about how Choice Master can add value is the website www.choicemaster.org. Well, that will help you. Otherwise, if you look for David F. George and Choice Master on LinkedIn, that's, uh, you'll find me there and uh, can con- contact me directly that way if you wish. Okay. And there's also an email address that people can contact you on as well. Oh, yeah, there is an email address. Yeah, david at uh, choicemaster.org. Everything you need to know is on the website. If you've enjoyed this and you want to know more, then as I said, there are plenty of other episodes out there. All you need to do is search on whichever is your preferred podcast app for AI and you with Dr. David F. George. We'd really like it if you could like, follow, subscribe and review the podcast as well. That really helps us a lot. So we're going to be back in a, in a couple of weeks time with, um, well, we're going to be looking at disinformation again. We're going to revisit what we've already done and we're going to be talking about how technology is either helping or hindering disinformation in this interesting year of political upheaval. So uh, look out for that one. And as you said, if you subscribe, it will come straight into your inbox and you'll be able to listen to it straight away. Thank you very much, David, for your time and your insight. We will speak to you again in a couple of weeks' time. For sure, Mark. Thanks very much indeed. This is a 1386 audio production. 